Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. And this is episode 236, your urban legends number 51. It has to do with Cheez-Its, people. And you're going to love the Cheez-Its. That's all I have to say. We've been talking about the Cheez-Its for weeks since we recorded this episode. And oh God, the Cheez-Its just haunt my haunt my brain. You know who haunts my brain in a good way where I think of their name and I'm just like, ah, yes, love them. Our new patrons. Our new patrons, Ashley, Eric, Exo, who sent us a very sweet message. Thank you. And Glennis, welcome to the Patreon. You help us literally make this podcast and keep making it and make it a space that everybody can enjoy for free. And we so appreciate you. We do. We do appreciate you. And we appreciate all of our patrons, including our supporting and producer level patrons. Alicia, Allison, Brian, Deborah, Hannah, Jane, Jessica Kinzer, Jessica Stewart, Justin, Keegan, Nieselkins, Megan L., Megan M., Phil Fresh, Polly, Captain Jonathan, Malachi Cosmos, Sarah, Scott, and Zazi. And, of course, Amanda, our legend-level patrons who always get Cheez-Its in their dreams. You'll see. You'll see. And it's gluten-free or not, depending on whatever they need. Audra, Chimera or Change, Clara, Drew, Jack Marie, J. Bay, Key, Lada, Morgan with no initial, Morgan H., Necro Royalty, Taylor, and BME of Scotty. All of our Morgans are special. And Julia, all of your recommendations are special to me. Uh-huh. So why don't you let me know what you've been reading, watching, or listening to recently? I just finished a book that I thoroughly enjoyed. It was called Persephone Station. Did I pick it because Persephone is in the title? Maybe a little bit, but it is a sci-fi book about like a bunch of mercenaries and indigenous alien species and also a like non-binary bartender mobster. And I had so much fun reading it. It was delightful. Val? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it's uh, by Steen Elect. Definitely pick it up. There is a link in the episode description. I really liked it. I'm actually uh, mailing it to a friend because I was like, I read it. and I was like, oh, you're going to love this. I'm sending it to you right now. Incredible. I love that so much. I'm going to have to request it at the library. Do it. And we also want to let you all know this week that Multitude does free consulting for members of underrepresented groups in audio. If that's you and you want to learn how to get into podcasting or you have a podcast and you want to grow it or you're just kind of like, what is this all about? You should hit us up and have a little sit down with a member of our team. We reserve 15 hours of staff time every month for doing this free consulting. So listen, the time is there. You might as well use it. Go to multitude.productions and click under the resources tab, free consulting, where you can come and schedule some time with me or someone else on our team. Yeah, I had a lot of people tweet at us after I reminded people that this was a service that we have available. And they were like, oh my God, I did it. And I had such a great time. And it was really helpful and really useful. And everyone was super knowledgeable and uh, kind. And I was like, yeah, heck yeah, I'm so glad. That's what we try to do. And just wanted to give you a little old reminder about that one. Well, without any further ado, we will let you go to enjoy Spirits Podcast Episode 236, Your Urban Legends 51. Guys, I have a specter looming directly over me. Uh Uh-oh. Eric, you already turned 30. What are you talking about? It is the specter of my hair. Oh, no. Going away. Oh, Eric. It's undeniable at this point. So I've said for many years that my mom's father, there are pictures of him with a full head of black hair. Mm -hmm. And then there are pictures of him (laughs) with the toilet bowl hair all white. And there's almost no pictures in between. Oh, no. Did it happen overnight? And I'm like, how quickly did this man bald? And now what's going to happen is I went into a pandemic <laughs> with a nice mohawk mm-hmm. looking snazzy. And I'm going to emerge from it 15 months later. No pictures at any events being taken That's of true. me. That's true. Bald. You're living that legacy. Wow. It's just no one. It's, it's going to be like, wow, it just like really, really just changed overnight. It's going to seem because there's just going to be no evidence of any hair going throughout the whole period. Also, very few people generally have taken pictures of me from behind in general. So it wouldn't be that obvious, I guess, in the first place. But uh, it's over. It's over here. What is your head but a ghost for your hair? Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I always like to think that my hair is dead and is haunting my my skull. I think that anybody who's rocking a shaved head or bald head has like danced with death and won. 
You know what I mean? Mm. You, you've mm-hmm. gone through a thing that society really shames you about because of the lack of, you know, conversations and, and diversity and like men, body positivity and, and things like that. And you survived and you're here. You're thriving. You're a hat guy now. You have a great beard and bald head combo, which I think looks great. I will. I want to be very clear for you listeners. Will. You will. I've you got will. a solid three to six months probably, <laughs> or I might just get it just completely shaved off at my next haircut. Who knows? Who knows what I'm feeling on the day? I do like hats now, but I'm not currently a hat guy. I'm not currently bald, but I will be probably before our next in-person live show. Fantastic. I really appreciate this as an embracing of our kind of like, let's talk about death now because it's going to happen uh, sort of lifestyle. And I think you're doing great, bud. Yeah. I'm very scared about what my head looks like. I don't, I just, not that I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I don't want to say I'm self-conscious of it or, or that. I just don't know what's, because there is like a weird like bump somewhere that I can feel, <laughs> but I don't know what that's going to resolve itself once uh, it's all, it's all visible. So that's what's going on with me. What uh, spooky stories do we have for the listeners that maybe they can enjoy a bit more than, than just me getting an extreme haircut? Well, I have three personal encounters with the unknown from Cole. Mm. Would you like to hear those? Yeah, I'd love to hear all three of them. We know that all good things come in threes and bad ones. So just, you know, watch out. So this is from Cole and they write, Hi, Spirits team. I've just gotten into your show and I'm listening through the Urban Legends episodes back to back. I just can't get enough of them. So I decided to share some of mine. When my mom moved away to live with her new husband, I moved into my dad's house in Aurora, Illinois before starting dorm life at my nearby college. I was only there for about two months, but I started having several really bad dreams. I can't remember most of them, but I know they were distressing and scary. However, one night I had a dream that someone had come into the house in the middle of the night and was standing in the kitchen with my stepmother, Wendy. I don't know who it was, but I remember being scared that they were there. The next day, my stepmom asked if I had gotten up in the middle of the night because she thought she heard someone moving around in the kitchen with her late at night. I was super freaked out. And once I moved into my dorms, the dream stopped being so bad. Hmm. Story number one. I I like when they're like, yeah, you know, I went to this new place, something weird happened, and then I left and it stopped happening. That's the ideal situation. Yeah. I'm also curious if anyone else in that home experienced that. Yeah, because obviously Wendy heard something, you know. That's true. Something was up. Another story. When we were little kids, my cousin visited from Wisconsin and stayed with us for about a week. She taught my sister and I a card game to communicate with spirits. Already a bad idea. Already terrible. She would lay out the four aces in a row and then shuffle the rest of the deck. We could only ask the spirit a yes or no question. Then starting from the right, she would flip over the cards one by one, replacing them down the line of aces to get our answers. For example, placing a heart card in the ace of hearts column meant yes, while placing a club in the ace of clubs column meant no, etc. The only way to stop talking to a specific spirit was to ask them if it was okay to switch or if it was okay to stop the conversation altogether. You had to wait to flip over the right card that said yes before you could stop. At one point, we had a spirit that did not want to stop talking to us. Every time we asked if we could stop, the cards that we flipped over said no. My cousin got impatient and decided to throw the remaining cards into the pile to force an end to the conversation bad. No. The moment the cards hit the bed, all of the lights in the house flickered off and went on again. What? Obviously, we were very scared, so we ran into the front room and woke my mom up. Of course, she didn't notice anything because she had been sleeping the whole time, and we were just left to be scared for the rest of the night. That is scary. And then finally, another story. I lived in an apartment in Makuhari Honga, Chiba, Japan, during college for about four months with one of my friends. One night, we were decorating her room and listening to some music when all of a sudden, both of us stopped mid-conversation, looked at each other, and ran out of the room without saying a word. When we got to my room a safer distance away, we asked each other what had happened. We had both described feeling like something or someone had come into the room and that we were extremely not welcome there anymore. Wow. Way to listen to that feeling because I feel like I would be like, well, I'm uncomfortable and I'm going to leave, you know, when I get a second. But you both stopped mid-conversation and then ran out of that room. Props. I'm out of here. I completely agree, Julie. I was thinking the same thing. I feel like in, in the before times, if I was like walked into a restaurant that I thought looked good and then I was like, man, it's not the place for me. I would have to psych myself up for like five minutes before actually walking out of the lobby, you know? I feel that. 
It was the weirdest experience because we hadn't said anything to one another and we hadn't even been telling each other any scary stories beforehand. A few weeks later in that same apartment, a cabinet that would always stick and was really hard to get open, but flew open by itself while we were cooking. And the two of us screamed and ran down to our friend's place to stay for a while. It was so scary. I don't like this. I don't like this one more than any of the other parts because okay. a cab like a cabinet door shouldn't just be able to swing open. Yeah. And especially a sticky cabinet door. Mm. Because mm. then like what's what's really going on? Who can say? Agreed. I'd rather them slam closed and slam open. Yes. 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 <laughs> Agreed. Nothing that. should slam open. <laughs> no, I agree. That's the opposite of what it should do. Cole finishes out by saying, I also occasionally feel my cat jump onto my bed only to peek my head up to see which one it was and find that neither of them were there. Ooh, there that's we go. Cool ghost cat i like that with that second story the spirits gave you an off ramp they're like if you pick the right cards you can go home <laughs> i like that the the ghosts gave them a ghost cat that's probably what happened mm, right yes I love the ghost cat, but it does remind me of one of my favorite sort of like quirks of living in the flesh prisons that we live in, which is like that the phantom sensations, like when you, you know, are on a boat and then you get back and you feel slightly as if you're still rocking or you're on a bike and then you, you know, you feel as you're falling asleep, like maybe your your feet are still pedaling. And it's just so fun. It's like brains. Like, what, what are you guys doing in there? I don't have this experience. No? I don't know what you're talking about. You've never been on a boat for a while and then you get off the boat and you feel yourself kind of rocking? Not, I mean, like, like immediately, but not like, not like after 10 minutes have passed, really. Definitely nothing like with a bike either. Occasionally when I'm falling asleep, I'll kind of like feel those phantom sensations. Hmm, I won't like do it. It'll feel slightly in that sort of time when my body is, you know, transitioning into sleep. I think that's when you're, you know, you're quite yeah. kind of vulnerable. Might be an inner ear thing or supernatural. <laughs> Who can say? It's true. Balance. Your head just might need some ear adjustments. It's true. I believe it. I believe it. Julia, I also have some uh, light flashing electric sort of situation mm -hmm. that I would love to tell you guys about. Please. This is titled French Theater Superstitions and Haunted Wires. Comes from Tara. And she writes, hey, everybody. Love the podcast. Hope you're keeping well in these trying times, TM. Before we dive in, I just listened to your theater superstition episode and thought I'd share a few French ones because I, too, have spent my teenage years in various drama classes. So here, it is not blue costumes that are bad luck, but green ones. Hmm. For similar reasons, probably, but I've also been told the stuff used in green dye used to actually poison people and slowly kill them, which is pretty unlucky. That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I also have read that in uh, in like Regency romance novels. Classic. That isn't, didn't that happen like with the at the Wizard of Oz or something? Didn't like the lady with the was it the Tin Man or was it the witch that the makeup was all bad for him? It was the Tin Man. The witch mm, yeah. did catch fire during a scene, but it wasn't because she had the paint on. It was because mm. they did a pyrotechnic too close to her clothes. Also, we don't say break a leg, but mared, which means shit. Apparently, it's because people used to come to the theater in horse-drawn carriages, so in wishing a lot of people come to the show, you'd wish for a big pile of literal horseshit outside the theater. <laughs> Lovely like stuff. That. That's good. You also don't reply thank you, because that's bad luck, too. So you say, to you, too, or just smile and nod. That, I don't have an explanation for, except that theater people love to make things needlessly complicated. That's true. So, back to my haunted story. I moved into my new flat in August, and it's reasonably priced and has a great view. What's not to love? Has to be haunted. <laughs> sure, it's a bit old and for some reason didn't find a tenant for months before I took it. Nothing to worry about there. Super haunted. I had to do a bit of deep cleaning and my lovely elderly landlady hired some people to fix a plug here, paint a wall there, you know, maintenance. Some of those guys fully ghosted, pun intended, when it came oh. to putting a kitchen shelf. But hey, I guess I don't need it. Eric, I'm sorry to trigger your uh, your your bad kind of homeowner uh, repair situation. What's worse is like I had to say boo to express my dissatisfaction, which was just another pun on top of it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So random shit just kept not working. And as soon as I asked for professional help, things went back to normal. Exhibit A, the hot water. The hot water wasn't running when I moved in, so I called the plumber. He says, flick this switch and see if it goes back to normal. It probably won't work, he says. It's never that easy. Of course it did. That's how they make their money. This probably won't work. I love that this haunting is like things kind of going right, which is just a lovely change. Exhibit B, the mystery fuse. I've had a mystery fuse in all of my apartments, and I'm so excited for this one. Okay. My fuse box is ancient and sometimes flips and everything goes down. I thought it was the shitty hot plates, which have now been changed, but a specific fuse actually went down that is linked to the washing machine. 
I ask the maintenance guy if he could show me how to take it out, so he flicks it back up, and of course it stays up and all is well. Update. An electrician came to change my radiators, and it turns out fuses were not connected right, and putting wash on was literally playing with fire. So the ghost clearly trying to help here. I have a, a quick sidebar, and it's that if you can help it, don't own a fucking hot plate. Yeah, they're extremely dangerous. Julia, you want to tell us why? My husband does building inspecting, and a lot of the building inspecting is he has to go into buildings to be like, oh, because there was a fire in here, I'm letting you know whether or not this is safe to occupy or not. That's a huge part of this thing. 99% of the time, if you have a fire in a home or like some sort of like mixed use building, it's because someone's using a fucking hot plate and they left it on and it caught fire. Don't do that. Don't use hot plates. It's so true. It just makes me so mad. If only the U.S. would catch on to the rest of the world. Oh, also, international listeners, you might not know that in the U.S., none of us have uh, outlets with the little power toggle. Nobody has that. In the UK and many other parts of the world, there are little switches underneath all of the plugs. So you can keep your, you know, Christmas lights plugged in and just switch the switch off like the actual outlet. Then you don't have to go unplugging various things and appliances and keeping the outlet off until you need to use an appliance is the norm. Much safer. Yes. Yeah, but we have uh, freedom and (laughs) civil liberties. So uh... Uh, if only we had civil liberties. Oh, boy. Exhibit C is the disappearing Wi-Fi. I don't have the best network up on my hill, but one Saturday it was particularly awful and kept turning on and off. Although it happened to hold up really well when I was on a video call with a friend I hadn't seen in ages. I said out loud I was going to call the phone company and ever since it's been fine. So I guess my ghost supports friendships and not wasting tech supports time. I just really like that this ghost is like, oh, you're going to get a professional. I'll stop. I'll stop now. I think that this ghost, Julia, is trying to train Tara to be a, you know, person renting an apartment, asking for help, you know, getting what she needs when she needs it. Yeah, that's impressive. I wish a ghost would train me to be more of an adult. Totally. And then two final updates. One is my boyfriend stayed over for a bit and suspects the ghost to actually be next door as that place looks empty. Except for the one time you saw a light come on when he went on the terrace late in the evening. A light we have never seen again. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Ooh. Uh-oh. Maybe they're trying to show that apartment and they just left the light on that one time. It's possible. But like, why has no one moved in if it's if it's well-priced in a nice old building? Who can say? The final update, the smell. Uh-oh. I know you mentioned that, this. No. Mm-mm. No? We're not about this. <laughs> I am not about a smell. I know you guys mentioned this and I can confirm it is extremely creepy. There is a phantom smell in my hallway. It vaguely smells like petrol and something else that I can't really identify when I walk in the door sometimes. It's just one specific spot and then it just goes away. I don't know if the ghost is trying to warn me of something, but considering everything is electrical in my flat, I don't really know what it could mean. Like there's no gas power, in other words. Other than that, all quiet on the ghost front for now. Stay creepy, stay cool. Petrol gas smell, that's not good. You shouldn't smell that when you walk into your home. No, I hope that this ghost is not foretelling arson. Maybe it's possible that the ghost used to work at a petrol station or was like a a gas, you know, maintenance person. And and maybe it's just a little echo. But considering all of the home repairs, I wonder, I don't know, is he telling you that like gas stove would be more efficient or that, you know, your hot water heater should switch over to oil? That seems bad. Yeah, no, I don't like that. Don't like it one bit. Well, I did like the French theater superstition. So, Tara, thank you. I've got a story about when this lovely lady's boyfriend nearly got got by an old lady in a dream. So this comes to us from Zoe and she writes, I listen to your podcast all the time at work and these episodes are my favorites. I have a few other smallish, creepyish stories I might send in sometimes, but this email is for a weirdly realistic dream my boyfriend Nino had the other night. It's notable because he doesn't really dream very much, but I asked his permission to retell it to you here. As someone who also doesn't remember her dreams that often and whose dreams are generally very mundane, like taking out the trash or doing laundry, I am already identifying with Nino here, and so I'm, I'm quite excited. Well... It all started out in a church. Nino said that it looked familiar, like a Catholic church he'd been to years ago with his dad. 
there was a group of kids offering bags of Cheez-Its and they asked if he'd like some. Now, Julia turned her head when I said Cheez-Its. I and love that Cheez-Its. Is the reason that I picked the story. Aww, because I saw you. the word cheese, I get, I went, um, I'm in. Whatever this is. I don't care what the rest of this is about. I'm sure we will find something funny about Cheez-Its. Cheez-Its. <laughs> the children offered him some Cheez-Its and asked if he'd like some. No, thank you, he said. They kept offering. A little old lady approached him and again offered the Cheez-Its. Take the Cheez-Its. <laughs> Are they free, he asked. Of course, said the old lady, but you can make a donation in that box if you'd like. Nino explained he didn't have any money. You should stay for the service then, the old lady suggested. Nino thought a moment and then said, maybe, I'm pretty busy. I might not be able to come back. <laughs> the old lady smiled. You should schedule your meetings around Caesar's greetings, she said. <gasps> Note, that is the direct quote straight from the dream, according to Nina. <laughs> Incredible. I'm loving this. You should schedule your meetings around Caesar's greetings. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> the Caesar's greetings here are, would you like some Cheez-Its, I guess. Nino continued chatting with the old lady, talking about the church and how it looked familiar. After a while, he had to go. Since you seem so knowledgeable and kind, would you like to use the shortcut? The old lady asked. <gasps> oh my God, guys, I'm so nervous. A second location. <laughs> A second location? Never, never. Don't go through the wormhole. Don't go through the fairy bower. You know, you know better. You know better. Don't take the fairy Cheez-Its, Nino. You should take the fairy Cheez-Its, though. Nino agreed and followed her from the sanctuary to the annex where the old lady pushed a wood panel to reveal a small crawl space ah! like a door. You know what's usually in the small crawl space like a door uh, in a church? Catacombs. Dead bodies. Yeah, or it's like a priest hidey hole and you can't get out. Pre what's a priest <laughs> yeah, hidey hole? Yeah, explain a priest hidey hole to us. Oh, no, no. Yeah, there's probably an actual name for it. But like during the Inquisition, a lot of uh, either dwellings or churches, monasteries, stuff like like that would have like a, a hidden compartment. So if somebody came mm. through, you know, trying to in inquisition everywhere, uh, they could hide. <laughs> trying to inquisition everywhere. They didn't do it in a limited fashion. They really did it everywhere. Mm -hmm. Nino asked, can I come back later through this door? The old lady nodded. Nino, not not enough confirmation for me. I'm mm -mm. going to need I'm gonna need a hard yes verbally for me to go back through this creepy hallway. Oh, boy. Nino slipped through the door and crept down the hall. Eventually, he came to a dusty, dirty, deserted room. As he entered, a wooden gate shut behind him, and the old lady began screaming, Who's yours? Who's yours? She screamed. Oh, Again, no. direct quote. Oh, what? no. Nino's first instinct was to say, Jesus Christ? <laughs> oh, not in the surprise kind of way. So just a, a hard Jesus Christ. Yeah. Not in a surprise kind of way, but in the God's children kind of way but he realized that that didn't make sense as an answer. <laughs> but then it hit him with a chill. She wasn't talking to him. She was talking to what was in the room with him. Oh no! Nito hadn't seen anything when he entered, but now he knew he needed to leave. He looked at the gate and knew he couldn't move it. However, Nino sleeps with an eye mask on and realized that if he took off the eye mask, he would be awake. <gasps> so he did. But when he opened his eyes, the wooden gate was still there. Oh, and no. Nito felt a wash of panic before he woke up for real, lying in bed next to me, the sunlight streaming in through the window with his eye mask off. Holy shit. Oh, what's it called when you can control your dreams? Lucid. He astral tried really project. hard. <laughs> not astral projection. <laughs> he tried really hard to lucid dream his way out of that situation. And I he respect did. it. Yeah. This is the most terrified an urban legend has made me in a long time. I'm really happy with this because it's got a good balance of, of horror and comedy. Yeah. That's all we ask yeah. for. I mean, Nino, thank you for sharing it with us. I Holy shit. Nino relayed all of this to me. And after I was done screaming into a pillow about how a creepy old lady nearly got my boyfriend eaten by something, I asked if I could tell spirits and asked if there were any other details he could remember. He paused a moment and then said, the Cheez-Its. They were gluten-free. <gasps> <laughs> Nino doesn't eat a gluten-free diet, so why would that be the devil's lure of choice? I don't know, but evidently, it was effective. Stay creepy, stay cool, stay away from Cheez-Its. I feel like I'd still eat some cursed gluten-free Cheez-Its. Guys, I'm going to have to just unpack this for a full few minutes here. <sighs>
I think I've been playing so much Pokemon recently <laughs> on my Twitch channel that my first thought is like, do you know the Sunfisk? It's like a flat Pokemon that looks like a bear trap. And then yeah. it has a little Pokeball in the middle as like a lure. And that was my first my first thought is like, oh, they were using the Cheez-Its as the Pokeball in the middle of the Sunfisk to lure in prey. But listen, I am going to have to ask for Nino to replicate the exact circumstances of his entire day before he had this dream so that he can have more of them and tell us because the content of this podcast depends on Nino now. <laughs> oh, very good. Very, very good. I love this. I love every element of it. I love that the the old lady was clearly using Cheez-Its, like even in the most charitable reading, she's using Cheez-Its to recruit people to church, which I mean, cool. Like that's a that's quite a strategy. And the fact that she led him through this passageway and then either was surprised by this kind of malevolence or wanted to sort of like force a confrontation. I need to know everything. This is so much. Amanda, I think you need to decompress a little from this story. Why don't we grab a refill? Let's do that. Julie, I've been working on the tattoo throughout uh, quarantine and something else I have been doing over the last few weeks is doing some yoga on my roof in the morning. Mm -hmm. And that has been really exciting. But with a fresh tattoo, I cannot move around that much and put <laughs> weight on it. So this morning, instead of doing my yoga, I did a little bit of a meditation through Calm, which is a wonderful app that I normally use at night to help me get to sleep or if I want to drown out any ambient noise, if it's loud on my block and I just want to like read and have some nice little soundscapes going on. But being able to do a guided meditation meditation with them was really, really useful and helped me get in the right headspace for my day. And that is what Calm is all about. They are a mental wellness app that gives you the tools to improve the way you feel. Whether it is those daily meditations, you can use their music tracks, and of course, their very, very good sleep stories, mm. including uh, Lucy Lou Red, which, you know, what more could you ever want? And if you go to calm.com slash spirits, you'll get a limited offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of programming and new content is added every week. So for listeners of this show, Calm is offering a special limited time promotion of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash spirits. That is C-A-L-M dot com slash spirits for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. That's calm.com slash spirits. Something else that makes me feel really uh, like grounded and present is watching people who are really good at stuff talk about the thing that they're good at. And that is one of the many reasons that I turn to Skillshare, where even if I don't particularly want to learn a task for me and like Skillshare is great at that, it's also just entertaining for me and calming to watch people who are good at a thing do their thing. And recently I watched a class called Video for Instagram telling an engaging story in less than a minute. And the teacher was just so soothing and confident in, in teaching this course, where even though I'm not like doing video for Instagram as a job and I enjoy other people's videos on Instagram, it was still a way to be like, wow, there is a real craft to this and a real art to it. And this, you know, is some of the stuff that people think about when they're thinking about how to do a great job at doing this task. And nothing is better than Skillshare, whether you are trying to learn something for work, something for your creativity, something to just sort of take your mind off the world and focus on a hobby or something lovely like animation or product activity or photography, whatever it might be. Skillshare is where you want to do that. So go to Skillshare.com slash spirits to sign up for a free trial of Skillshare premium membership. That's Skillshare.com slash spirits where you can sign up for your free trial of premium membership. So Amanda, let's say that you've just started an online store and you're doing something that you love. You're selling products to people that want your products and orders are coming in because obviously you're making really good stuff. Now, the hard part, Amanda, for me always is shipping products out. I hate waiting in line at the post office, even though the post office is literally right next door to me. I hate walking over there. It's terrible. But thankfully, I use ShipStation, which is simple to import, manage, and ship your orders out fast for a lot less money. And it's no wonder that ShipStation is the number one shipping software for e-commerce sellers with more five-star reviews than anyone else. So no matter what you're selling, if you're on Amazon, if you're on Etsy, if you're on your own website, ShipStation station funnels all of your orders into one simple interface that you can manage from anywhere, even your cell phone. So ship more in less time. Use our offer code SPIRITS to get a 60-day free trial that is two months free of no-hassle, stress-free shipping. Just go to ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in SPIRITS. That's ShipStation.com. Enter the offer code SPIRITS and make SHIP happen. And now let's get back to the show. 
So guys, I am drinking this week Cantina Hyena from one of my favorite breweries, Kings County Brewers Collective KCBC here in, in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And it is like a creamsicle. The description that they say is that it has orange marmalade haze in your glass. It is mango, passion fruit, strawberry, banana, um, and then there's some milk sugar. So I take a lactate. This is my dairy for the week and I am all in. It's so good. <laughs> that sounds incredible. That sounds really, really good. I had a KCBC beer as well, Amanda. It was the Dos Puertos, which was like a barrel aged sour with tangerine and also like a little bit of chili or something in it. It was incredible. It was really, really good. It was like tart and also a little spicy. And it was like perfect with the pizza that Jake made that week. It was it was great. Yum. If you have access to KCBC in your area, you got to pick them up. They're beautiful. It's real good. And I had uh, the new Mexican lager from Great Lakes Brewing Company, which has a nice hint of lime. Good summer drinking Ooh. out of a can this year. We love a hint of lime. Love a hint of lime. Usually I try to keep our urban legends to uh, one one church and Catholicism related one per episode. But uh -oh. I do have a very good short one that I would love to share. Please. This is from Armida and it is titled Art, colon, The Curse of the Creepy Haunted Jesus as Told by My Grandma. <laughs> okay. Mm, there's a lot, lot happening there. This was told to me by my grandma about a family that she knew. A bit of context for those who might not be familiar, even to this day, Catholicism is the prominent religion in Mexico. So back in the late 50s, where our story takes place, going to church was all the rage, and the clerical figures were even more prominent pillars of the community. Now, this is a family who lived in a small city in the southeast coast of the Gulf of Mexico. They've been going through a rough patch lately, sickness, bad luck, and business, the works. As good Catholics, they invited the Monsignor for lunch and hoped to ask for some guidance and reassurance. And for anybody who's not familiar with <laughs> Catholic uh, clergy, um, that is like a senior position in the Roman Catholic Church. Yeah. While the mother was setting the table, the Monsignor kept looking at a painting they had in the dining room. Mm-mm. Where'd you get this painting, dear? He asked. He was referring to the framed picture of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, a very common depiction of Christ. The mother absolutely loved the painting and was delighted that the man appreciated it too. <laughs> uh, that's not what it's going to be, though. She proudly replied that it was a gift that she got some time ago, but could not remember who gave it to her. And for context, this might be familiar to Catholics, but for everybody else, it is a picture of Jesus kind of like doing a little like point off to the side type situation. Mm -hmm. And you can see like a, a glowing part of his chest with a heart inside of it. And like the sacred heart is like a big thing in Catholicism. It's also ringed by thorns in most depictions because uh, crown of thorns when he was crucified, it's a whole thing. It's fucking metal, though. And some versions of this painting can get particularly like, you know, this is a this is a real like gothic sort of scene that we're depicting. It can be a little gnarly sometimes. It can be a little gnarly. It's not Catholicism if there isn't like bones or blood or other things. Yes. I used to live near the most precious blood church in Astoria. And again, makes sense in context. Not so much out of context. <laughs> Sounds creepy out of context. So to this, the Monsignor said, come here, child, and look at the picture. She did as she was told. It's so pretty, she thought. And then the man asked her to look at the hands horrified the woman oh, observed no. oh no What's that the figure the had long claw-like nails no and what was worse the family was certain that they did not used to be there no oh the monsignor oh wait <laughs> this is the worst i've seen eric look in a while i don't like like what 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 happened why'd the hand change why why'd the hand change on the picture Maybe it was one of those bad art restorers. <laughs> oh, that's possible. <laughs> they snuck over there like, I'll make this look a little bit better. They just made the fingers too long. That's that's what I am now choosing okay. to believe happened. Fair. That fair. would be a fucking sick prank. Like, I, I don't condone drawing on anybody's artworks, particularly artworks of religious significance. But if it were a prank, it would be pretty cool. The Monsignor said some prayers before taking the picture down, then proceeded to cover it and take it with him for a safe <laughs> disposal. Uh-oh. Brutal. I would love to know what he did to get rid of it, but I think we can safely assume it was burned to a crisp in mm. some ritual and the ashes were given a healthy dose of salt and holy water for good measure. I haven't heard of like salting ashes, but that's really interesting. And guess what? The family's luck changed almost overnight. Huh. So I guess the moral of the story is to be mindful of what you have hanging on your walls and keep a watchful eye on it because you never know when it might reach out and scratch your luck hate that last line first off i yeah. love it armita great no. job 
Secondly, wild that it's like a religious artifact or a religious painting that got kind of demonic, I guess is a good way to describe it. Yes. That's wild. Usually, you know, like, you know, you put the crucifixes up to like ward things away. Exactly. And sometimes when it's a particularly nasty haunting or possession or whatever, you know, they'll turn the crucifixes upside down or whatever. But I've never heard of a picture of Jesus being transformed into something demonic. Ooh. Extremely scary. And just the idea of like the art changing in your home, that is like, that's some creepy shit to me. Yeah, I don't like that part. Even more than objects moving, more than smells, I think. Objects that you've had for a long time being subtly different is like an honest mind fuck. Like I, I mm-hmm. know that's a phrase we use, but like that is that is truly the best phrase I can think of. Yeah. Kind of wanted to read this in the in the first half, but I figured my cheese it story could Oh, the cheese it's worth it couldn't wait. Because this was a perfect lead into Amanda's story because this is a local theater absolutely riddled with ghosts. Woo! Ah, oh, lovely. And here's what if I, I I think we might be able to do this, but if not, then we'll we'll give it our best shot. We've got a couple short stories here. I think we should rank the ghosts okay. as we go. Oh, so, breaking out a piece of paper. Bust out a piece of paper. Okay, okay, I got my notes. So this comes to us from Natalie, and she writes. I'll preface this by saying I don't particularly believe in ghosts. All the theater people, all the theater people are like, I don't believe in ghosts. But let me tell you about all these ghosts. (laughs) It's great. Every single email we've gotten for the last like three episodes has had like theater ghosts with a theater person. It's like, I don't believe in ghosts, but I've got a bunch of ghost stories. Listen, I respect it. It makes me sort of lean in. Like I, I get very excited. It makes me tune in even more. Yeah. I don't particularly believe in ghosts, but I do love a good spooky story. When I moved to my college town, I got involved in the local community theater. And over the years, I've heard several stories of the ghosts that inhabit her. Mm -hmm. Just to set up some context, the theater was built in 1909 by a man who owned a lumber business. (laughs) So this this guy, top of the charts, very creepy, owning a lumber business. I don't don't buy it for one (laughs) second at the turn of the century. True capitalist. No, thank you. Because of this, it was built out of wood instead of stone like most other buildings at the time. This will become relevant later. It's one of those beautiful old gilded theaters that I can say from personal experience feels a bit sinister when you're alone late at night. Over the years, it has served as a theater for movies, vaudeville, traveling shows, and most recently, a thriving community theater. In its vast history, it has had a share of creepy happenings. Now, guys, what do we think makes this theater um, seem particularly creepy when you walk in? Is it the fact that it is the Gilded Age theater where there are faces carved into literally every fucking service? Oh, I was going to say the faces. I was going to say the faces and the masks are going to be carved. Yeah. Every fucking surface has faces carved or painted or gilded onto it. And I do not like it. Mm-hmm, Truly mm-hmm. terrible. I do not wish it. I, I wish no faces in my house. My face should be the only face in my house. Okay. <laughs> Amanda goes, no paintings, no illustrations of faces, no mirrors. No, no, no. Now I'm picturing though, like imagine you go, you come home and every piece of art or photo with a face in it in your home is like suddenly very angry or pained looking. This modified Christ painting is really hanging over my head here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but also on the other hand of that, if every picture is of you and Eric in your house and all of those pictures have also changed and you have the exact memory of the photo being taken, that's also bad if that has changed. So really, there's no good situation with this, I feel like. Except for no faces. Except for no faces. Except for no faces. Well, you said you're only your face. I'm saying only your face also has some downsides. Oh, no, no, no. Only my only my current human face. Oh, not, only your not literal depic- human <laughs> yes. physical form is allowed to be a face in your in your apartment. I guess Eric says, well, he lives there. But, you know, but uh, I. <laughs> well, I, yes, I. I might assumed. rethink that. OK, well, we'll think on that while I <laughs> read a story. Number one, I'll start with the fire. Remember how it was a completely wood building? Well, in December 1920, the stage caught fire after a boiler explosion. Fortunately, the Abestus fire curtain... (laughs) Whoops. Uh, We didn't know any better. Kept the damage to the stage, and as far as we know, there were no casualties. However, when the theater opened months later, various people independently reported seeing a figure that happened to be a janitor walking backstage and under the stage where the dressing rooms are. He kept making appearances, and someone eventually decided to bust out a Ouija board. Always a great idea. (laughs) Through that, they learned that the janitor's name is Ned, and he lived and died at the theater. As I said earlier, 
We have no proof of casualties in that fire, but Ned has become a mainstay at the stage. Just sad. All right, number one is Ned. <laughs> yeah, so, we, so we've got Ned, possible fire ghost. But okay. what he's doing is, I mean, he's just kind of like there, right? He's not yeah. causing fires. Maybe he's protecting the theater that he loved. Yeah. Doesn't have to be sad. I mean, maybe he cleaned up after the fire because he appears to possibly be a janitor. So like maybe he's a good. I'm saying it's sad that he lived there and then mm. died there. Yeah, I feel like we've established that you can die elsewhere and now inhabit a different place. I feel yes. like we've we've well established We're there. that, that, That's that true. at this point. That's true. Here's story number two. Another eerie story is about the old grand chandelier. The current one is quite big and lovely, but the old used to take up almost half the ceiling of the auditorium. Oh boy. One day, staff walked in to discover the grand chandelier had fallen in the middle of the night. This isn't that strange, but they could find no reason why. I think it's kind of strange. I mean, maybe they did. It's the Phantom of the Opera, obviously. Come on. <laughs> there was no damage to the ceiling or the mechanisms where the chandelier attached. It simply seemed to have fallen for no reason. Some believe one of our ghostly friends was unhappy and wanted to make their feelings known, but we shall never know. Okay. So no specific ghost. I just wrote chandelier for this one. Chandelier. I mean, I guess it's possible that the chandelier was like some kind of, you know, something was disintegrating or, you know, bending and it was going to fall. What if the ghost made it fall when the theater was out of use? Because for it to fall in the night, not during a performance, like that's a pretty narrow window of time for nobody to be in the theater. You're saying this is like a Superman ghost trying to stop the plane yeah. from crashing and he's been holding up the chandelier during a big performance of uh, The Taming of the Shrew. <laughs> and everyone left. And once everyone had got, gone home, then he's like, finally, and he lets it drop. Or he's just observing it and doing his checks. Maybe it's Ned for all we know. And the thing is going to give out. Like, it's on its way. Yeah. And he's like, let's do a controlled brush fire here. Mm, and let's make right. sure that the chandelier... I, I don't, I'm not a Superman ghost. I can't solve it. I just want to make sure it falls safely. Gotcha. That also, I like, uh, yeah. So are we saying that is less creepy or more or, or more creepy than Ned? Less creepy. I feel like we've established more malevolent, so less creepy. Yes. Benevolent. Ned's still sad, but more creepy than Chandelier. Yes. I'm not yes. sure why I'm in a real kind of optimistic ghost analyzing mood here. I think that, I think I'm just being really driven by those Cheez-Its. I'm really just like, <laughs> I'm really just puffed up. I'm ready to go. The Cheez-Its were a trap. I mean, they're a good, they're a good source of energy, <laughs> especially the gluten-free ones. The gluten-free. Story number three. The next two experiences come from our technical director who at the time didn't believe in ghosts. Back then there were apartments left over from the days of traveling vaudeville performers and he lived there in the 80s. Working late one night, he looked out from the stage to see a man standing in the auditorium. He called out, asking why he was there, but the man simply turned around and walked towards the lobby. When the director went to investigate, he was gone. Another time, while in his apartment, he watched a man walk from his kitchen into his bedroom. Needless to say, he now believes in ghosts. Now this is top of the charts. This is the creepiest story so far. Mm -hmm. Porqué? Explain to me. Because in apartment? Yeah, I mean, if I see a figure walk from any room and then specifically into my bedroom and then there's nothing in my bedroom, that's creepier than a chandelier falling and possibly whatever Ned's been up. <laughs> Poor Ned. This is definitely the creepiest one so far. Okay, so apartment yeah. man is now above Ned and chandelier. Amanda, do you agree with my ranking? I totally agree because I think somebody being in my apartment is like a fear that I have in regular life also. Mm -hmm. And so having the supernatural element is kind of like both explanations for what's happening here suck. I don't like either of them. Yeah. Fair. These are just a few of the stories told over the years. There's also been strange people seen in the balcony, cold spots, a figure lurking in the third story window, heels clacking in the lobby, and an actress whose earrings flew off her ear during an audition when no one was around her. Oh, and of course, the bat that sometimes lives in the second balcony and occasionally flies around the stage during the performances. He's just living there, though. That's not yeah. creepy. That's just his house. I have three things to say about this list. Go ahead. May yes. I do them? Okay. One, bats are great. Bats are fucking adorable. They're very good for the environment. Great. Okay. Two, if I had a cold spot, a known cold spot in my home or workplace, I would really appreciate that because especially working in a theater, you often, you know, work up a sweat. And I think being able to stand in a spot that you know is going to be a good temp after, you know, focusing the lights or working under the lights, whatever, that would be great to me. Okay. And three, this is just a life hack, people. If your earring back keeps falling off, you can squeeze the two little lobes together and that'll tighten it. 
Mm. Know what I mean? Like 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 a regular post back, the backing of the earring. And just squeeze it together slightly, gently, and it'll tighten it back up. Just a little tip from me to you. Good to know. Well, there is our uh, our mega list of this of this spooky theater from Natalie. I think our rankings are definitive, everybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it has to be. So I have a email titled That Culty Creepy Castle in the University's Backyard from mm. Ewan. Delicious. Oh boy. And he writes, I really appreciate and enjoy your podcast, although I've never really been one to believe in most paranormal, spiritual, mythological, Mm -hmm. or otherwise Mm -hmm. experiences or events. I love to hear about what might be and why other people believe what they believe, which is great. Thank you for listening to the show. To that point, I unfortunately don't know very many stories that would work for your Urban Legends episodes, but I do know a few. As I remember others, I may send more emails, but now first, the story. I live in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, part of the Triangle, as it is colloquially known, an area between three fairly major cities around here, also known as Liberal Bubble of Bubbles. This is in no small part due to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, the quote, first public institution of higher learning in the U.S. to open its doors in 1795 when it completed construction on its first building, according to Wikipedia. (laughs) Anyway, this university has become famous for many things, from being ranked number five in a list of top public schools in the country, to being the place where Michael Jordan was the first person to correctly identify the ceiling of a stadium as also being a roof. I don't get that reference, but I appreciate it. But I digress. The story I tell you today, or really the legend I described to you, is that of the Order of Gimgul, operating out of Hippel Castle on Gimgul Road. So you know that they are all great, easygoing, and totally didn't do anything suspicious or creepy at all. I first learned about this when I was very young, probably 10 or 11, and was part of a small local running club that often went by the area. Side note, this running club was divided based on skill and endurance level, starting with the little dogs, working all the way up through middle dogs, and then ending with the big dogs. There was also a group called the hybrids, which were somewhere between middle and big. Why? I couldn't say, but I thought you might enjoy that puppers-themed tidbit. Always. Always. Again, I digress. To get back to the main point, I must simply highlight to you that it was a big deal to get to run and do other such things near the Gimgul Castle, as it was rumored that someone had once been murdered there. Plus, it was a real-life castle in the middle of a modern-day college campus. Who wouldn't want to see that? Certainly I did. The keep out private property sign alone was enough to pique my interest. Getting there was a bit tricky as the castle itself is located down a fairly long road past a residential development. There was always this kind of reverent silence we were encouraged to develop upon nearing the place, and such a reminder was certainly necessary for quieting the chattering of 10-year-olds. Normally, we would keep a respectful distance from the aforementioned keep out sign, but there were a few exceptions. On more than one occasion, I remember secretively, along with a smattering of other youngins, being led by a few adults beyond the sign so that we could run back and forth in relays with even more proximity to the foreboding structure of Gimgul Castle, terrified to be caught. We were but innocent little children, led into the shadow of a looming edifice and surrounding dark forest by well-meaning but perhaps ignorant adults. We feared little, but maybe we should have. We knew that the castle had been occupied by the presence of a car in its driveway. That was consistent. What we didn't know was how such occupants might retaliate against us. With police? With trained dogs? With prosecution? With the supernatural? These were questions we did not know the answers to. But as all good and exciting things do, it had to come to an end. We'd end our relays and turn back to the blandness of the residential street from whence we came, disappointed we could not venture further, even with the risk that might entail. I must emphasize again to you the creepiness of seeing, even from a distance, this strangely named castle on this strangely named road, shrouded in mystery and literal shadow, the forest is really dense there. And in general, what seemed like a postcard from a Stephen King now plaguing my admittedly skeptical subconscious. While this is where my personal experiences with Gimgul and its accoutrements end, I have since done some research to find out more about the strange anomaly. In other words, now that you've heard the creepy anecdote, you can learn about the cool backstory. Hey, I see what you did there. He also writes, I'm cringing as I type this. The Order of Gimgul, as it is formally known, is a collegiate secret society that was founded in 1889 by students of the university at the time. It is open to notable, quote unquote, notable male upperclassmen and faculty and focuses on the legend of Peter Dromgul, a student who mysteriously disappeared from the campus in 1833. The order is private membership 
membership is closed, and information about its activities is strictly confidential. Anything more recent than 50 years is completely locked away, except upon explicit permission by the order. It was actually originally called the Order of Dramgul, but the founders seemed to think that even that was giving too much away about their interests, saying in archives that they would change their name to Gimgul in accord with midnight and graves and weirdness. That's in a quote. In accord with midnight and graves and weirdness. Jeez. It's too much. The secret society shit is just too, too much, too much. I'm reading a, a romance novel right now where the protagonist like turns down membership in such a society. He's like, hey, you guys uh, toxic. You guys suck. <laughs> I'm thrilled to see it replicated in the email today. They are said to be held to the, quote, Dream Ghoul legend and ideals of Arthurian knighthood and chivalry. And according to accounts, the society holds no secret agendas. Okay. But at the same time, according to logic and reason and history, we know not to believe that for a second. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you are wondering, what is this legend of Peter Dromgul? And if you weren't, you certainly are now. Well, I'm here to answer you. The following is a direct quotation from an article describing it. Quote, the legend goes that Peter and another student were in love with the same girl, Fanny. It's always Fanny. A co-ed love interest is always named Fanny. That's just true. That's just how it is. One day, the opponents crossed paths. When Peter's opponent offended him with a shove, Peter challenged him to a duel, as you fucking do. They met at a rock where Peter and Fanny would meet. The duel began. Peter lost. Panicking, the young man present buried Peter's body beneath the rock. Rumors spread of Drumgul's disappearance, and it was said that Fanny eventually died of grief. Because, of course, why not? Why not? That same rock is on the property of Hippo Castle, the castle where the Order holds all of their meetings, is located. Well, I'd love to go into the story even more, and believe me, there is more. This email is already way too long, so I'll give you just a few more brief notes. The Order has a history of being inspired by death, and more specifically, the devil. I invite you to look at their creepy black and white photos of their membership and their accompanying imagery. I've included a few with a link below. I will include that in the Patreon show notes. The fact that all members of this society are male and privileged elite ones at that makes this all the more suspicious to me. Who can say what they did or what they said behind closed doors. As far as I can see, most historical members have been white too, which is no surprise there. The site on which the castle sits is 2.15 acres and has a taxable value of over $1 million. Mm. It's also a contributing member of the Chapel Hill Historic District. So I guess even creepy white guys like to support the preservation of history. Of course they do. They are history if you read the history books. Or maybe I'm reading into that too kindly. Some preservation is better than other preservation. All in all, I hope that you enjoyed this little tidbit from my hometown and university. And that is Ewan, who is a 16-year-old with a podcast passion. Oh, thanks for writing in. That's so great. Thank you, Ewan. Well, thank you all for joining us for another Hometown Urban Legends episode. We've, uh, we've, we've done some rankings. We've talked about some real spooky stuff. And I think that we've, we've maybe discovered something about about cheesy snack foods and uh, go on over to our Instagram at Spirits Podcast and we're going to have a little poll there. Would you eat the Cheez-Its or not? Okay. I would eat the Cheez-Its. I would eat the Cheez-Its. I would sure. not eat the Cheez-Its. Let's see who comes out on top. <laughs> well, remember everybody. Stay creepy. Stay cool. <laughs>